G'day, guys. Welcome back to Dylan Friends. This episode is a very, very special episode. Beck Danaher from Fight MND, daughter of Neil Danaher, or Nilo Danaher, as Beck likes to call him. I, I really like that nickname, Nilo. A bit like Bucko. Beck is a campaign director of Fight MND. Talks to us a lot about everything that's sort of gone on with the Danaher family, from the diagnosis to Neil's attitude to the family's attitude, um, and into the how Fight M- MND was actually created and how the big freeze. Uh, became of this the beast as they call it how to beat the beast how to take down the beast and um, yeah it's an incredible story of a family doing absolutely everything they can to raise awareness and much needed funds for motor neuron disease Um, we haven't spoke to Beck a little bit about the signs of MND how to stay on top of our health um, and then also speak about the research and everything that needs to be done to help cure um, this disease, it's it's unfortunately one of those ones that doesn't have a cure at the moment, but there's so much good uh, funding from these events going into some great researchers and, and all the things that have been sort of helping it progress along the journey, which has been really, really credible and special. Obviously, the big game, uh, the Fight MND game against Collingwood and uh, Melbourne coming up with the uh, the slide to see who gets to go down it. Beck was tight-lipped. She would not tell me absolutely anything about it, but I can't wait to check it out. And guys, if you listen to this one today, Make sure you dig deep and um, and give to this, no matter how big or small uh, you can. It's all going to make a difference um, to fighting MND. And a massive shout out to the Danaher family for being so open and honest and, and incredible to talk to today. So thanks so much. Enjoy it. Links will be in the show notes for everything you need to know. Hi, fam. It's Dylan's mum, Deborah. This is Dylan Friend. He gives you a back rub. This is, you know, going well, Brian. Oh, it's special. Get comfortable and uncomfortable. Just keep showing up and find a way. Cam was so nervous he couldn't swallow water. Handing him a sheet of paper with six names and said, Sheet, we've got to cut these six blokes. Wow, shut up. I've just been barbed by Stingray, mate. I'm just yelling, oh, you saved my life, you saved my life, you saved my life. Thank you, thank you. I spent the last, I think it was a couple of weeks in jail. The deepest, darkest moments often bring about our biggest highs. Hey, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good. How are you going? Good. Now, obviously, um, you're pregnant with your second child. Yeah. My first question today might not be where you're thinking, but when did you decide, like, let's have another one? Because <laughs> I, I have, I'm a new father at the moment. I have a six-week-old son. Yes. Young Max, and he's a lot of my life, like, unbelievable. Um, but. I can't see like it sort of going at the Six moment. Weeks is I'm early. like, wow. Six weeks is very early. Is it, is it possible? I don't imagine. Like, I, I think- can't imagine actually having two of these things. Yeah, I'm gonna have two under twos. My my one's eighteen months. It's a good question. <laughs> um, my husband is really keen for many many children, uh, and it all happened very fast. That's right. So we're excited to have another one join us, but uh, two under two is a little bit daunting. Yeah. Do you know what you're having? Another girl. Oh, awesome. Yeah, so Fantastic. we're outnumbering yeah. in our household, the girls. That's great. It's it's exciting. <laughs> um, have, did you or any of your, and again, this is not where you thought we were going today, but did any of your children have uh, colic? I think Max is having a little bit of colic at the moment. No, I was lucky. And it's just, it's unbelievable. I, I've just never knew how loud babies could scream yeah like it's just yeah. it's quite impressive yeah. to be completely honest they change your world <laughs> they do but it's so funny how you can go from being so like stressed to then they stop and you smile and it just changes your whole i think that's why people go around again because when they're stressed out and upset you're so upset and then they smile and you forget about you everything forget about else it. you forget about he could cry for 23 hours a day yeah and just give me one smile and i'm yeah. like i'm sweet yeah. i'm happy yeah. with that we're happy we're, it was we're good. so i'm looking forward to that for you that's exciting <laughs> um yeah i don't think i can give you any tips so that you don't already know but uh if you, if you need anything <laughs> <laughs> you i like it six weeks in yeah confident. you let me know i'm that's very good. confident yeah very confident <laughs> 
Um, you know how to burp a baby and stuff. I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah cool. No, not too okay. bad. In there. Yeah, just make sure you get them up straight. <laughs> yes, so, wait, thank yeah, you. Yeah, it's good. Um, and bibs too. They're they're good for when you're going out. Um, Beck, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you going? Yeah, really well, thanks. So I'm um. I'm really well. Got a nice warm head because of my um, fight MND beanie, oh, which bloody again, freezing out there. It is. It's getting cold, which it isn't is. good for you know temperature of it's the fantastic skin. Fantastic for but us. It's great for. It is great for yeah. us when that winter snap comes through. I know. I'm, I I love the heat. I love it. Working at Fight MND when the cold comes through, I am just so satisfied because yeah. I'm thinking this is perfect, perfect beanie weather, <laughs> isn't it? So Coles, Coles Express, Bunnings. And fightmnd.com, which you can get your beanies. Make sure you got them, obviously. We've got them on today. But um, yeah, I was so keen to get you in today. Congratulations on everything you guys have achieved to date. It's, it's genuinely incredible. And I think it's crazy to think back on it as an outside perspective how quick from an outside it looks like it's grown. I can imagine there's been so much hard yards to get to where it is now. Um, especially of your incredible father, Neil, and everything he's going through and been through to get to where it is. But wh- when you reflect on it all, from diagnosis stage to where it is now, could you believe the impact it's having? Not at all. Like, it's been such a roller coaster, and it, it has been so fast. Like, it feels like just yesterday that we were sitting around the kitchen table talking about whether beanies might work or not. Um, and now, uh, here we are nine years in, and I think last year was probably the best representation of the MCG just blue and filled with people wearing the beanie. And each year we sell beanies around the MCG and we never have sold so little because everyone brought it. It was amazing. Um, but it, it just feels like it's gone so fast and um, we're so appreciative of, of the fact that we're nine years in and people are still listening and still wanting to support and still looking forward to the big freeze each and every year because we've made some progress, we've got some way to go and we can't stop. So still charging ahead, but yeah, I know, it feels really surreal. I've got to say. It's incredible. It's a special moment. I'm really excited for uh, this year's match and, and obviously yeah. the marketing. Big game. A, a big game, big isn't game. it, too? With everyone. It's, it's so good when two teams are in form. Yeah. Um, oh, are you a middle supporter? I am. Yeah, okay. I am. I'm pretty happy with how we're tracking a lot. Yeah, you're tracking pretty well. <laughs> um, hey, Beck, I obviously know this, but what is MND? MND is a terminal illness. Yep. It affects um, the motor neurons within the body that control your ability, your muscles. So when you don't have those motor neurons, when they die, you can't control your muscles, so they waste away, and that stops you from walking, from talking, from eating, and then eventually you're no longer able to breathe. So your body just essentially wastes away and you have complete awareness of that happening. So your mind stays super sharp. You're, you're watching your, ba- your body fade away um, until, you, until you're long, no longer with us. Take us back, if, if you're happy to, of you know being in family when you first got the diagnosis of, of Neil and as his daughter. Like, How did that feel? What was the even education? Did you even know what it was back then? Like, I don't think we a lot of people knew what MND was. Oh, we didn't know what was going on with dad for probably 12 months. So I think it took about 12 months to diagnose him. They were trying different treatments. They were trying different things. The way with M&Ds, they sort of rule out everything else. There's no test to say that this is motor neuron disease. So the doctors hope for for anything else. They really hope that it, it is something to do with the immune system or something to do with the muscles or something else because... M&D, there's nothing you can do. Um, there's so many other things he could have had that they would have had a treatment plan and, and had a good outcome. So he was he was going through this process. It was really a time of unknowns. Um, but he was for me, he was a fit 
active, healthy guy. So I didn't get pulled in. And I was based in Melbourne. They were over in WA. I was a little bit separate from it all. But I do remember he sat me down to tell me that he had MND and he's um, quite cavalier in how he approached it. So I had no idea it was serious. He sort of told me that he could walk out of this cafe and get hit by a truck. And, you know, sometimes these are just the cards that had played. But, you know, I'm here and I'm going well. So I thought it wasn't a big deal. Um, I had no idea what MND was. Like I knew Stephen Hawking had it and he's had it for years. So I was like, okay, this is something that dad's going to have treatment for and um, he'll be with us for ages. You know, it's all good. And it actually took me probably two months later. Um, I was overseas and I Googled it. <laughs> and I just remember sitting there and I was reading, you know, a terminal illness, no treatment, no cure, 27 months. I mean, that's just over two years. And it was just like numbing just to read that and think that within two years I could have lo- I could lose my dad. Um, I couldn't put it together. It didn't make sense. You know, he was fit, and a- fit active, healthy, and he was going to die. <laughs> um, so it was a moment that just was jarring and, um, you know, I was a bit of an idiot for reading it overseas by myself. <laughs> but... Um, it, it took a time. I, I decided I was rowing at the time. That's mm. why I was overseas. And I went back home to mum and dad and, and spent time with them. Um, his attitude to his diagnosis is something that I'm always really grateful for because of his approach of being so positive to look at the opportunity to not focus on what are the grim elements of the illness has really boosted us as a family that that's how we're going to approach it as well. So there's always going to be a period of time where you grieve, um, you sort of have this victim mentality. It's always about like, why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to my dad? You know, what is it? It's hard. This is horrible. I'm, I'm feeling really sad. And then dad picked us up out of that and said, you know, charge on, play on. So it was yeah, roller coaster. It was pretty tough, but we, we got through to the other side. Yeah, you definitely have. And I think what you've obviously been able to do with with the big freeze and everything is just using that power in a good way to be able to spread more awareness. But I suppose to your point, it doesn't come like you don't just go from a diagnosis to that straight away. Like there has to be that hard part in the middle where there is the the grieving part. Oh, absolutely. I think the way that it, you know, dad has presented it may have looked that he skipped those steps. Mm. Um, what he's portrayed to the public is is someone who's taken on a challenge and has found the positive in every element. That is not an M&D journey. That is not how it happens. And I love his story that he tells. So he got his diagnosis in WA. Wanted a second opinion. I was like, granted, <laughs> yeah. I think that's worth a second opinion. <laughs> he flew over to Melbourne, met with some more doctors, got the second opinion, same diagnosis, MND. And that's when he met with me, told me, what happened, um, and then he got on the plane and, and it was a four-hour f- flight back to WA and he talked about being in this cycle, this really negative spin, and it was all about why me? You know, I've done everything. I'm, my body is in tip-top shape. I've done everything to be healthy, live a long life. Why me? What have, what's happened? And he talks about Mr. Negative and Mr. Positive on the shoulder. Mm-hmm. And he gets halfway across an Nullarbor and Mr. Negative's pretty loud and he's chatting away and then Mr. Positive finally pipes up and he's essentially saying, you know, how's that going for you? Is that getting you anywhere? 
Uh, do you feel good listening to Mr. Negative? Um, what's that going to mean for your family? If you land in two hours' time and you come off this flight and all you've done is listen to Mr. Negative and that, let those thoughts swell and take over, how's that going to be for your wife, for your kids? You need to lift up. You know, what can we do? And he talks about going through that thought process and deciding, you know, not then and there, but, you know, work towards a more positive reaction or a positive set of mind so that he could move forward from the diagnosis, find a way to fight back in his own way, to be able to, you know, go to his family and not bring them down, but try and booster them up mm. through what is such a difficult time for him anyway. But, um, yeah, he definitely went through that grief cycle and, and it wasn't a quick from him being diagnosed to vitamin D starting and for him to consider taking it public. It's a really private private illness. It, it takes away a lot of your dignity, a lot of your independence. So he had to make that decision of bringing that to life and knowing that people would track his journey as well. But um, I'm, I'm so grateful for him making that decision because it's allowed us in our own way to fight back and to help him in some capacity, which has given us power and a, a more positive outlook on, on the whole process. Mm. So many things you said there I can like really relate to. I want to touch on the first one first was the Mr. Positive, Mr. Nick. Like I love that analogy. Like it's so cool. And I think people listening today, you know, you can relate that to your own life. And it's yeah. it's not as simple as we talk about now. And as you said, like there was such a journey for him to get to a stage where he could feed the positive side more than the negative side. But once you can, it's like a habit, that yeah. mindset, isn't it? Like I personally was in a stage of my life like where I would just feed the negative so much. But the more you can just remember that saying and quickly defeat the other guy is so good. So I just wanted to acknowledge that quickly. I love that analogy, which is incredible. I think that anyone, it's relevant for anyone in any situation that can can take it, no matter no how big or small their their issue is they're facing. The second one about going public with um, with things is a massive step because I know from um, my situation as well, my old man's had some health issues around his alcohol addiction and you know we we're dealing with that sort of privately. But once you are ready to sort of step out and tell your friends and family about issues you think that's such a hard thing but it actually ends up making it when you're ready a lot it made it a lot easier for us because it kept us keep accountable to it as well in a way did you find that yeah i think when he decided to go public it was our sort of catch cry our our way to move forward to fight back at it and we knew that we couldn't fight back by ourselves if we decided to keep the like if he decided to keep it private, which, you know, he had every choice to make. Um, we couldn't take on what Dad calls the beast and mm. be effective. Yeah, We needed to have a group of people, a collective, an army behind us to make any leeway, to make some sort of impact against this beast. So when he made that choice and he spoke to all of us, made sure everyone was comfortable with with it. It was our way to M and D is hopeless, it's it's uncontrollable, it's gonna impact you. That's what we're being told. Now go tick off the bucket list. Go do things for yourself. Dad's always said that gives him no purpose. Mm -hmm. That does not get him out of bed. What gets him out of bed is knowing that he can make a difference for people in the future. I love the saying from um, Afterlife, which is um, 
society grows great when old men plant trees, the shade of which they'll never see. That's his, in a, sense, in a way, that's his motto. He's doing this not for himself, it's for people in the future. That gets him out of bed, that gives him purpose, that gives him a way to fight back, that gives him the ability to see an opportunity and a positive in a pretty grim situation. I think you're the only person that can beat me in a quote off. <laughs> they, have some, they have some great analogies today. You really, that is a great analogy. I really like that one. Um, but it's beautiful and it's exactly what he's doing now. Yeah. Speaking um, off topic quickly with, with the numbers, how much money is um, NND raised over its journey um, for the nearly coming up to its 10 years? Yeah, so we've invested $69.3 million into research initiatives, which is 14 clinical trials, 24 drug development projects and a vast array of others and then invested uh, nearly $7 million into care to support those currently living with MND, which from year one when we were trying to raise 250000 wow. through the first big freeze, it's quite uh, humbling and, and to be sitting at this point and to see how much money we've been able to put towards that vital research and that vital care. Uh, but it just shows the power of people. Dad told a story of essentially David and Goliath and he was David, the underdog, and people got behind it and it's just gone gangbusters. That's <laughs> a terrible descriptor, but the, the army is marching and it's exciting and it's a daunting army. The beast is going to be getting nervous. What have been for you some of the most proud moments being a part of Freeze M&D that have you look back and gone, well, without us doing this, this hasn't happened. Has there been any stories of other young people or people that have been affected that, you know, wouldn't have had the opportunities they've had now without the awareness? I think so. I think there's been so many over the course. Yeah. Um, and it's the simple things. It's the small things. Um, back with Fight MND, I was one of two employees, so we were doing everything under the sun. And I remember I was looking after the phone one day and it was probably big freeze too and we've got beanies out and someone called up and they said, thank you, and just started off and I was like, no worries, <laughs> what have we done? <laughs> and it was, she said, my dad's had MND for, I think it was about 18 months and he hasn't told anyone and he has just withdrawn, he's not a part of the community anymore, he doesn't see anyone, he's just taken a step back. But now he's out and he's selling beanies and he's talking about the fight, fighting back and he is just showing there's a spark and, and he feels like he's making a contribution back and he's back back with us. We've got mm. him back. And it's such a simple little humble beanie that has enabled this. So these discussions that we've started about MND has helped so many people. I know when Dad was diagnosed, I had no idea what it was and every time – you told someone you had to go through this process of explaining what it is and that was just tiring. And you can see why people be like, I just, I can't, I've got a lot on my plate, I don't want to keep adding to it. It's too challenging to constantly have to educate people about what I'm going through. And M&D targets people differently, but one of the first things with dad is slurring. So people at the bar, for example, wouldn't want to serve him drinks and you're like, this is not, he hasn't drunk too much. He hasn't done anything like this. And other people that didn't know him thought potentially he was challenged in other ways and would react to him differently or just wasn't sure how to handle it. But the education piece is allowed for so much more understanding from the general community about what their fight means mm. and what they're dealing with and how people can be supportive 
and it's by being supportive, it's just you know buying a beanie, donating, showing that they care about what they're what they're being challenged by, and wanting to help them find an answer to it. How's all the the obviously the incredible amount of funds that have gone to the research side of things? What's has there been any updates on on the disease itself and what they've been able to discover? I think the more that we understand about MND, the more complicated we can see wow. it being. So for a long period of time, there wasn't much funding in, uh, in the space, which meant you didn't bring the best and brightest researchers in. So we, 90% of MND is sporadic. It's like dad. So we have no idea why dad got Not it. Yeah. There's 10%, which is hereditary. So you've got a gene that devastates families. Um, it will wipe out, you know, 50% of the family through that MND gene. It's It's horrible. But we don't understand why 90% of the people get it, which makes it hard to target it. What we've seen over the last eight, nine years, and it's through the incredible support of everyone out there that we've been able to invest $69 million into the space, is that we've got the best and brightest researchers working. We've got an army of people out there that are challenging the beast. And we're seeing more and more clinical trials rolling out. We're seeing more and more drug development projects, which we hope will end in more clinical trials. We've got more understanding of how MND works and how it affects the body, which allow us to then target those um, functions that you know aren't working as well or overworking. So in 2013, it was a really hopeless landscape. What we're hearing now is that there's hope. The researchers, if you see a researcher getting excited in the MND space, you know that they can see the outcome on the horizon. They mm. can see it. You know, it's just about getting those paces, getting a little bit closer to being able to grasp it. And that gives me a lot of excitement because there would be a period of time I was like, well, what, you know, where's the acceleration? I'm watching dad go through this. I want the answer tomorrow. Like, come, we need that urgency. We need that drive. Where, where is it? Where is it? And now you can see this exciting, innovative research, first ever research. Australia is definitely leading the charge here. And you're like, okay, we, we are on the track. We are heading in the right direction. That's unbelievable. It must be special to, you know, have a be a part of that. It's, yeah, uh, I always sort of think it's just my way of being able to fight back. I think MND, fight MND has enabled me to be able to have this experience with dad, bring us closer together, but for me to feel like there is some element of control for me. Mm. There's a a way that I can be alongside dad and help him through his journey. I can't do anything physically for him. I can't really help him in any capacity that's going to help his his MND journey, but I can hopefully help people in the future or I think just stand by him and this is a bit of his legacy piece. This is, you know, what he's putting forward. So it's keeping me sane. Yeah, I can imagine. (laughs) Now, I don't know if I'll be able to articulate this question that well, but I was thinking we we had a really awesome chat with um, Nick Rewalt, who obviously with Maddie's Vision, he works really closely alongside. And he said that as much as he loves working with with Maddie's Vision, it's really hard because it sometimes numbs him to the feeling of the emotion of the connection. Do you ever feel that with your dad? It's like because you're working so closely on something that it's hard to, and you're talking about it every day. Yeah. It's hard to then feel when you're with him. Is it not about work, or is it about? <laughs> is it about you know being a? If you know dad, it's always about work. It's always about, yeah, okay. <laughs> he was a successful coach because he yeah. he does a lot of work. Um, uh, it's brought us closer together. Yeah. Me and dad are pretty similar. Um, we had plenty of clashes growing up. Um, <laughs> 
through my childhood. Uh, it's, a, it's something that really brings us together and we've got a real drive and passion to succeed. Um, but from the emotional side, it, it's super challenging. Uh, I've had plenty of discussions um, with my family um, because it does take a toll. Um, mm. There'd be elements where, or days where you need to consider, if, is, is this the right thing for me to do? I'm really close to the cause, obviously. It is hard. Uh, I'm seeing so many of the people that I work with over the course of the last nine years are no longer with us anymore because MND is 27 months. That's the average lifespan. So I remember I came back um, from a trip once and I lost three um, good sort of friends of mine within a week from M&D and a lot of them were quite sudden and we weren't expecting it. And I was up and down and I oh, made stop and pause and I was like, this is the right thing for me to do. Obviously, this is going to get more challenging as dad progresses. And sort of came to this point uh, and I spoke to my husband, Drew, I said, if there is a point where I am not reacting like this, if I'm not being pulled in emotionally, I need to leave. That is a point where I know that I'm too numb to what's going on and I need to get away from the space. I think being invested, being emotionally yep. drawn in, having connections with people is so critical. Uh, so if they if they go, then I go, uh, that's my time to, to leave. Yeah, it's great awareness. It's, um, it's unbelievable. And again, I'm... Can't imagine how hard that would be working like that. It's um, yeah, I'm really amazed at what you what you're putting, what you're going through. It's it's incredible. I don't I don't even really have words for it. I think that's what this show is about. Like I don't have the right answers, but it's it's just genuinely mind blowing how the strength of you and your family in this situation has been pretty incredible. How is Neil at the moment? What's his condition like? Is he still upbeat as always? He's going all right. He's going all right. Um, Beast is taking away so many other, uh, so many elements. Um, it's taken away his ability to talk, um, which is really hard as a daughter not to be able to sit down and have a yarn with him. But he definitely finds a way around it. So he's got eye gaze machine, wow. so he can type with his eye eyes, and then it sort of generates through a speaker, and he can still have a chat. And I love it because he can choose his accents as well. So you know, if he wants to roll out an Irish accent, he, he can which is great. Um, so he finds a way to, to get a joke in, get a heckle in wow. um, and still be a part of it. So without that equipment, it'd just be such an isolating time for him. But How does that work? So it's a screen? A screen and just reads the eye movement and so he can still type and, and talk with people. That um, is incredible. Yeah, it's it's amazing. I mean, it is challenging because a conversation is so dynamic. For sure. And it moves fast. So if you were sitting around and everyone's having a chat, but you could only type and text. It's slower, but uh, we just find a different way to, to integrate it. And he turns the speaker up really, really loud so that you can't miss him. <laughs> <laughs> Is it right that he's still, um, still wanting to go to the footy, though, loves as much as possible? Still loves the footy. Yeah. It, yeah, 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 loves the footy. So we'll be going to plenty of games Um it's a, an important aspect. So took him to the Anzac Eve game, which was awesome. Dee's got up, pretty happy with that. Um, but, yeah, goes most weekends now. This might hurt a few Melbourne Demons players, but has he got a few favourite players still at the moment that he's he's loving the most? <laughs> or who is he bagging the most as well? And that's who I, that's who I well, really want to know. when we go to the footy, he doesn't <laughs> yeah. have the eye gaze machine, so okay, he can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he does. He can stamp, stamp his legs I'm if sure he's, he's getting frustrated some, yeah. or he gets excited. But uh, the commentary doesn't 
doesn't flow as much. Um, oh, but they're playing playing really well, so they're definitely putting a smile on his face, which is nice to see. Speaking of footy, I know that um, how, how proud he would have been of the days winning the flag in 2021. The years are just going by at the moment. <laughs> there was an incredible gesture that I've been made aware uh, post at the guy at the Demons grand final day with the fans, with Neil getting up with Max Gorn. Can you talk us through that, how special that was for, for the family and himself getting up there and what incredible moment that was for Max Gorn too, to, to do so? Yeah, it was amazing. Um, I actually watched the game with um, Dad because we were living with them at the time. It was a pretty tense household. I think I got told to be quiet after minute <laughs> one of the game, so it was pretty pretty quiet at the, in the house. But... It was hard not to be there as well for that moment. You know, we were not sure if that moment will come up again for Dad. And we're like, this would have been really special for him Mm. to be there. But gosh, it put a smile on his face. And then when they did the celebration at the MCG and Dad uh, got up on stage and there was a a standing ovation and he doesn't get emotional often, but I'm pretty certain I saw a tear in his eye and um, it just showed how much that moment meant to him. And I'm very grateful for Melbourne to include because, yeah, I will never forget that moment. I, he'll never forget that moment uh, to celebrate with the team and, and also have the fans just to get around him. Mm, extremely special. How can we support 24 hours a day or 12 months a year versus obviously this time of, of the year is a really big um, game and it's a massive awareness for the disease. Mm-hmm. Um, but what about the other months of the year? How else can it be supported? There's lots of different ways everyone can get involved. Um, I think it's really important that we know, you know, every bit helps. Yeah. So <clears throat> we don't need to be on your radar 12 months a year, but every time you buy a beanie, every time you donate is is helping us move closer. We do lots of different activities throughout the year. We've got the Danaher's Drive in October, which is a, essentially a road trip of 300 people. We do um, events through like Run Melbourne and um, any sort of fundraising right across the year. But yeah, I'd just say small, big, large, wide, all encompassing, everything really makes such a difference to what we're trying to achieve. Um, And a lot of the conversations I have with people is you don't need to change the world. You don't need to set up a big freeze. A small idea has an opportunity to grow into something amazing. Um, And that's, that's what we need to keep going. Love it. Lastly, I was just wanting to talk about, um, you were speaking before about the awareness pieces and about um, if someone might be feeling off, what is the best way to go about? Is it just going to the doctor, getting GP? We speak a lot about on the show our um, pyramids. It's like sleep, Mm -hmm. general health, um, fitness and diet. So the other day we were talking as, as a group of young blokes and we're like, wow, a lot of these things we do, we work out, we eat somewhat well, um, and our the other one was, but our general health is something that we really don't go to a lot. Mm-hmm. Like the last time some of us have been for a blood test was almost two years ago. Yeah. What would you say to young people or anyone out there at the moment with their general health? Have you seen, you know, this is something that allows people to go and get tested a bit more? Yeah, I think the awareness of what MND does, mm-hmm. um, the weaknesses that you can get. So normally MND shows its form in a, a various ways whether it's a weakness in your hands, your, in your feet. Um, some people get it uh, through their chest and through the speaking. It's just having an awareness and having that openness to have the conversations um, quickly uh, across, you know, most most illnesses or diseases, the earlier you get onto things and have those chats, mm. the more likely you are to get better support. Um, but we know with m and can affect anyone. 
Um, we've seen, I've met some really lovely people across the journey. Uh, I know someone with uh, in their early 20s was diagnosed with MND. So it really can, it's, it's not someone, it's more common around the 50, 60 plus, yeah. um, but it, it can affect anyone and that awareness of what MND is is just important. But we really hope that hope that that isn't the case for people out there, because it is a beast. It is absolutely a beast of a disease. So we're doing everything that we can to ensure if there is a diagnosis in the future that there is that treatment plan and that availability of options. Talk us through the game coming up. I know you can't tell me you've refused to tell me who's going <laughs> down the slide. Um, but what have you got planned? Is there anything else happening this year that we can talk about or is it mainly just get to the game? It's going to be – that'll be a huge – Massive Especially game. at the moment with the two teams. I know. How they're going. They're expecting about 95,000. Are they really? Yeah. Yeah. So it's a big game. I know it's a long weekend. I know the Melbourne supporters think the snow's good. <laughs> yeah. Stay in town. <laughs> what? Um, um, so you've got the slide. That's yeah, happening. Yeah, so we've got the slide. So we actually kick off uh, – we're heading over to WA on the 3rd of June. So we, the West Coast Collingwood yep. game over there. We're going to turn up to the stadium blue. Wow. So you got, if you guys are over in WA listening, make sure you head to that game. We'll be down there. We've got a big dunking tank. We've got some local celebrities being announced shortly. Uh, then we have the big game at the MCG. What we do on that day is uh, we, we encourage everyone to come down to Fed Square around 12 o'clock a little bit earlier because we do the big march to the G and yep. Nilo's going to lead that charge. So Nilo? Is that, is that what you're calling it? Yeah, Nilo. 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 I like that. Yeah, Nilo. <laughs> He'll be leading the charge there. Nilo. Um, so we, we head there. Then we've got the slide action between 2 and 3 p.m. and then a massive game to follow. And then we take... Um, the big freeze up to the Gabba on the 16th of June between the Brisbane-Sydney game. Huge. Absolute takeover. It's going to be unbelievable. Yeah. What's next? What else? What's next for you besides your baby coming? <laughs> <laughs> um, hopefully not too many more big freezes because we've, we've frozen the beast. Yes. Um, that's what we're all working towards. We want to be unemployed. Um, that's what I, I want to be. <laughs> yeah. the, the day that happens, um, there'll be plenty of champagne. So for us, it, it's working really hard to, to achieve that end. Um, so at Fighterman Day, we'll, we'll go through the big freeze and then um, within two, three months, we'll do the grand announcements of where the money's been spent. And then we know that that money working really hard. Hopefully it just stops us having to work hard from the fundraising angle because they'll have all the answers sold. So that, that's from a work perspective. And then um, from a family perspective, dad's coming up to his 10th year of diagnosis, mm. um, which is amazing. Amazing. Ridiculous. We never thought we'd be here. As I said, 27 months is the average lifespan of someone with MND. And, you know, for one Nilo, there's thousands of others that don't get to see the other side of that number. So every element that we have is to celebrate and to spend time and to cherish the moments. Um, I think sometimes there's moments in life that make you reflect and stop and, and have a think and be grateful for the time that you have. And that's what we have as a family. So it'd be pretty cool to be able to put my new bubs on dad's lap mm. and, and just see the grandkids running around and just appreciating every moment that we have with him. Nice, beautiful, Beck. I really appreciate your time today. It's uh, it's been incredible to get a bit of a backstory to, to everything that hasn't already been um, 
document. I know a lot of people know the story, but it's incredible to get you in, hear your journey, um, hear Nilo's journey, the rest of your family's journey, and um, can't wait for the big match coming up. As much awareness as possible. Get your beanies. Um, we'll be there supporting. Darcy's a massive D supporter too, Good by man. the way. So Good man. Um, yeah, I'm sure we'll be at the game. But, yeah, we honestly can't thank you enough for the openness and honesty today and really, really appreciate it. Yeah. No, thank you so much for having me on. I've really enjoyed it. And I'll give you those burping tips after yeah, this. Fantastic. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, I'm, I'm all out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you also got to hold them up as well. Yeah, cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm still waiting for your first quote. Come yeah, on. Yeah, no, well, I'll send Jeez. that later. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> See you later. Thanks for listening to another Producey podcast. If you enjoyed the show, that'd be a massive help if you could like, follow, rate, subscribe, tap the bell, leave a review, or even share with one of your friends, or you could do them all. If you want to get in touch to share feedback, suggest a guest, or advertise with one of our podcasts, then email hello at producer.com. Thanks for tuning in. Iliaxx.